Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, here we go. You'll know when I'm coming to you, okay? I seriously had really no idea how to start this intro. I met Rory Gardner on set at CTV Morning Live and interviewed him about his country music career. A few years later, it's awesome to see that it's going well, even receiving a 2018 CCMA nomination. He has toured worldwide and recorded songs in Nashville and even opened up for Keith Urban. I've also seen him on several stages just here doing the local fundraisers. So let's check off Musician. And then we can actually talk about the fact that when he opens his mouth to talk, not only can he sing, but he actually runs off a few jokes. So you can add comedian into the mix as well. And not just the class clown, like real jokes, like with funny punchlines. He's actually really funny. Performing at comedy clubs all over North America and chilling with Canadian comics like Tom Green and Mike McDonald. But the turning point for me asking Rory to come on the podcast was his experience as a TEDx speaker talking about humor as a coping mechanism. For my listeners here in Ottawa, we remember last year's six tornadoes hitting down in one powerful storm. The images are still incredibly fresh in our minds. People here continue to rebuild their lives and rebuild their homes. Rory and his family were one of the family's hardest hit, running to safety only to see their home destroyed. What followed was a series of really funny videos that went viral as Rory used humor to explain and show the devastation. I'll be honest, I just watched them and I cracked up laughing. And what a gift to see a different way of handling the most difficult of situations. This podcast will have a little of everything, including the tree in his house, which he sees now as the perfect tree house. So welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And of course, as always, for more information, you can head to extensionmarketing.com. Rory, great to see you again. Great to see you. It's funny because we ran into each other at Fundraiser. And it was one of those, hey, what's what's happening? How you been? What's up? And I had, I honestly, I had had no clue of the experience that you had actually been through, even though I probably should have seen it at the time on social media. Well, it was a year ago. It's old news now. So uh, everyone's overcome it. They've passed it. So here we are again. It's old news because it passed and it hit, but it's been, a, I would think then, not as old news for you as you've continued to see massive changes in your life and the rebuild of what had happened with your home. In the neighborhood, I mean, the neighborhood doesn't look anything like it did before it got hit with the tornado, but it's, uh, now we're seeing the progression of, of what's what's come. So we had moved out for about eight months while our house got rebuilt and, and structurally resound. But now uh, over the summer, you see other people's houses with new facelifts or, or brand new houses altogether. I mean, the neighborhood still looks like garbage. I mean, no one has a lawn or anything like that. The exterior of everyone's house basically looks like it got hit with a tornado. It did. Oh, that's probably the CV <laughs> there. It did. Okay, so I want to hit on I, you know, because I knew you all these years as as a musician, right? I had no idea of the backstory of everything. So it's great to be able to see that there's been movement there. But let me kind of lay the groundwork because when we when we chatted, you were performing at a fundraiser uh, for uh, for mental health, and 
you know, my, my original thing was, okay, ask about the music, see how things are going. So is it interesting now that there is this story to you that is very different from the story that you had of being this musician and being this comedian, but now you have this, this package story that I think is inspiring so many people. It's added a layer. To, it, it's added authenticity to what I do. So, um, you know, I, let's say I've been doing comedy for about seven years now and I, I'd, I'd make a room laugh. You know, everyone's got jokes about this and that and airlines and stuff like that. But then as soon as I started telling stories about what happened in real life, uh, this is how I overcame surviving a natural disaster. It's like the room goes quiet and you have their undivided attention. So you can say anything and they're, they're right on top of every word. So if you add humor to that mix, then you've got them. I watched the TEDx talk and it seemed like that. The room was just silent and then it would be silent listening to the stories and then erupting with laughter when you mm. had the punchline. Can you take us through, I'm going to ho hopefully have people look and after they hear this or as they're listening to this, they're going to go on YouTube and check out the videos because they're actually really quite funny. But in the moment, can you explain what happened, where you were? Take us through, if you don't mind, the events of that day. Uh, of the actual tornado? Of the day? actual tornado, yeah. Because you were at home. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I tell the exaggerated part in, in the TEDx, but I'll tell you again right now, it's, it's we're in the living room with, uh, you know, with the kids and... Two kids? Two kids. How I, old? I, I own uh, two children and two boys, one's seven, one's... Uh, just for five. Okay. And uh, we're having a pizza and uh, we're getting the tornado warnings on our phone, but we're ignoring them because tornadoes don't come to Ottawa. Like it's just, you know, it would never happen. Uh, alas, uh, all of a sudden, uh, we see trees being uprooted in the front yard uh, through the window. My neighbor's pool ends in the yard. And, okay, that's uh, right. Your neighbor's pool. It was uh, well, more like a, like a kiddie pool. Okay. It's not like a... Well, it wasn't uprooted from the, 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 the in-ground pool, but okay, an, an above-ground pool. Yeah, yes. and um, yeah, so that's when we started to panic, and that's when I grabbed my favorite kid, and uh, we headed down to the uh, the basement, and then the uh, you know we can hear crashing, the roof flies off, and the see the swings that disappear, but the kids didn't care because now they have a new pool. They, they, they saw that the new pool had landed in yeah, the front yard. they were excited. So, so right. uh, they weren't even thinking about the wind at the time. No. Yeah. While, you're, while you're bringing humor to this situation already, when you start to see or hear or feel, a lot of people talk about it, it was almost like a freight train coming at you. Was mm -hmm. that like the sound and the pressure? Like Everything was a slow a motion. So it was slow like, motion. As, as we're running to the basement, stairs uh you can see in your peripherals uh again trees being uprooted you can see uh uh windows started to crash uh tree fell on the hot tub so you just big splash of water and 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 so all happening in slow motion as if you're in a movie and then all of a sudden uh you're in the basement uh 20 seconds later it was finished and uh, we popped our heads up and blue skies and birds in our kitchen <laughs> 20 seconds, that was it. Yeah, it was quick. It was that quick. Mm -hmm. Do you think about what it would have been like had you not been able to get from the living room down into the basement? The path, uh, so the path, uh, I think we would have been fine because that part of the house wasn't destroyed. Uh, other parts were. Like, let's say it, the tornado hit at about 5 o'clock at night, but if it had happened overnight while we were sleeping, we wouldn't be here today. Because the upstairs was, was, that's where all the trees hit. 
and they came crashing through. Yes. You walk out 20, 30 seconds after this whirlwind, grab your favorite kid, as you mentioned, run down into the basement, 20 seconds. Let's hope the other kid doesn't ever see this. I know. Well, I think it's, it's been it's been quite evident, I think, as as part of the the humor side the humor side of you. Let's hope they don't remember which kid I grabbed so they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably, that's probably the best way to explain it. Which yeah. one of us did was with that? You come back up. What is your first thought? Coming, you know, opening the basement door and seeing what? Uh I mean I got to get a bigger mop. It's it's like we, Arlington Woods. It, I mean, you, you're aware of it. It's it's all trees. So in Dunrobin, which is another place the tornado hit, they don't really have a lot of trees, and so the tornado would would just take the houses away. The trees actually masked the the wind that was coming through our neighborhood. But the, again, the trees fell on the houses. So you know, we had twenty trees in the in the in the lot. So when we opened the door. Um, for the first time we saw actual natural light so we didn't need wind shades or, or blinds or anything like that before because it is it was just a big forest and for the first time like we, we literally saw the sun um it was it was a neat feeling but at the same time it was like wow this is different and then traveling through the neighborhood for the next several weeks it was like unrecognizable like you know when you're going through your, nor- your normal route and then it's like i don't is that there so i grew up right around the corner from Arlington Woods. Mm-hmm. And and so I knew the streets really quite well. I knew where my friends' houses were. I'd bike the paths. I, you know, I'd walk the neighborhood so many times. And driving through, I did not recognize the homes because I recognized the trees of the homes before I recognized the homes. Plus, they were always so well hidden because there were, the trees were so big. And sometimes the leaves and the foliage would cover, mm-hmm. you know, a bedroom window or something. So I didn't recognize whose house was whose based on the fact that there were no trees as my as the starting point. It was really devastating to see even for the weeks and the months that actually the the rebuild was starting and it was almost like which ones are complete write-offs and which ones are we going to actually rebuild. So you in the, in the way you describe things and in the videos that followed there was you calling the hot tub company. Yeah. There was you changing the car from a, a a mid-size to a compact. Right. You know, what made you decide or was it just the natural way of coping for you to bring humor into the situation? Both. So as a, a creative person uh, doing uh, anything that's ever good or bad that's ever happened in my life, it's always been translated into a song or a joke. It's just the way I've conditioned myself um, as a writer. And in this particular case, a uh, joke. So the year prior... Uh, is when I was doing a lot of YouTube videos. I write sketches, and then uh, I'd have a green screen set up, which is no longer... That's where the, <laughs> the tree completely destroyed the studio, so there's been no green screen videos since. But um, again, I conditioned myself to uh, to to make these funny videos. And the day after, everyone's panicking. We're all trying to find contractors, and but no one's coming because they're they're pretty bogged down with all of it. So to kill time, we just grabbed the phone and made made some jokes. Just to make the neighbors laugh. I didn't realize it would hit 10,000 views in 24 hours. So it was just to have humor amongst you guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's instinctual. And we didn't think anything of it at the time. It's just, why why not laugh? 
when you started to see, though, that people were connecting with these videos, that they were watching them, they were enjoying the humor. No, no one watched any of the videos before this one. <laughs> no, now now they started to, though. Yes, so yes. So what was it like to see the reaction that people wanted to see more of what you were providing? Uh, it, it was more of, um, again, I think uh, there's no overnight success, right? It's, it's you're, you're just building whatever that is over time and then all of a sudden something hits and oh this guy does this so let's uh, absorb everything else he's created the jokes are funny but the topic matter is still serious so as you're making a joke over the fact that the hot tub company needs to come and fix the hot tub which really pretty much doesn't even exist anymore <laughs> right or that your son has always wanted a tree house and well he's got the perfect tree house in the middle of the bedroom and there's a tree in the room is there fear of what's next? How are we going to do this? The financial burden of it, the displacement of it. Where are you putting there, the emotions? There's a threshold. So let's say you, um, uh, I don't know, the the power goes out. Well, that's an inconvenience, and now you're kind of pissed. Uh, but when everyone's power is out and you have uh, – a Volvo in your living room. It's just, it's beyond that point of inconvenience. Now it's like, like you don't know how to, how to react emotionally. So we just, we just smiled. <laughs> like, is this really happening right now? And I can't, you know, never in a million years did I ever think that, um, I would live in a real tree house. <laughs> so it's, uh, it was just mind boggling. And, um, it's just how we, we coped with it. A lot of the people didn't cope the same way, but... Um, well, no, I would think for some people there's, you know, you have relationships, you have money, you have different burdens, there's different fears that would occur in a situation like this. You talk about the power going out for the rest of the city. It was just the inconvenience of having no power for three, for some of us, four or five days. Well, the train to itself was an inconvenience. Like 20 minutes before it happened, I just vacuumed. And now there's just a giant mess. So I don't, like... It's a waste of time as far as I'm concerned. That okay, Veronica's Veronica's laughing right now because I actually laughed a lot when you talk when you were doing the TEDx that that comment, right? I had just vacuumed. I had just vacuumed the house and then this tornado comes through. But we all feel like that, right? When we put time and effort into something in the home or having to fix something, I mean you didn't have to fix anything. There's no more lawnmower to mow the lawn. Right. I mean, those responsibilities were like, oh, I don't have to do those anymore. But all the jokes are derived from something that really happened. Like, no joke, no word of a lie. I had just gotten an oil change in the car, just filled it up with gas, and then now it's a pancake. So, like, you know, had I waited a week, then I would have saved a few. A neighbor uh, a few houses down, he had just gotten his roof replaced. Uh, it cost $15,000 or something like that. And then uh, his house got destroyed. Had he waited two weeks, he would have got a free roof. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. It's just uh, the way Mother Nature works. I think she was targeting houses that um, didn't recycle. Do you think that was it? No, I don't know. Do you guys recycle? Yeah. Do you look at things different? Do you look at the power of Mother Nature differently? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, 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 it's... Um, Again, we're so sheltered in Ottawa. Like nothing ever happens here, <laughs> and so it was a, it was a shock to us all. And then months later, we get flooding. And well, you were saying also one of your neighbors moved out of the house because they were 
we they were going to do a build. Yeah. We built and rented a house along the water. And then yeah, exactly. And then his house is is below sea level uh, due to the flooding that happened in the spring. So I don't you don't know what he did to piss off Mother Nature. There's something there for he sure. Probably set fire <laughs> to a Tesla. That was the joke in there. I it's I can see the humor coming out, and I can see how you did this. But you had this reaction, and then you have TEDx reading out, reaching out to you. What was it like to put all of that into a storyline? I mean, it was one thing to create videos and have some fun, and they're quick hits, and they're a great laugh. But to put this into a story that you can stand on a stage and go from A to Z. I was kind of learning what it what it was about myself. So I, I didn't – they reached out because they were like, wow, this is a great way to use humor to overcome adversity. And I was like – yeah, I guess you're right. I didn't realize I was doing it at the time, um, but that's uh, that's a legitimate thing. Uh, like humor therapy is actually practiced in healthcare, and like the laughter stimulates the immune system, reducing the effects of the stress hormone. So, what I told people in the TED talk is that I'm, I'm pretty much a doctor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way now? Um, no, but I have a, a, a psychiatrist friend who says. Um, Everything I did in the video is uh, uh, is an actual uh, method of, of, of oh, what did he call it, sublimation or something like that, where you're basically uh, sublimating, if you want to, uh, a, uh, a good reaction with a, a bad reaction with a good reaction. So instead of panicking, instead of freaking out, instead of turning to alcohol or whatever, uh, make jokes, do something creative. And that's basically... Uh, taking away the one thing and creating a good habit from it. And you've heard of like a post-traumatic stress disorder. Like they have uh, something called post-traumatic growth and people actually uh, build off of it and uh, do good things over, you know, from adversity. Had you gone this way before? I mean, as you said, right, you either make a joke out of it or you make a song out of it. Nothing this bad has ever happened to me. Like the only worst thing that's happened to me thus far is, is one time a lady stole my bike in spin class. I mean, it's, it's, um, and so I, you don't know how you're going to react in the face of adversity. I, I just, my instinct was humor. Is there any part of you that would now turn to a song and write a song about it? Should I, can I ask if one of those is in the making? Not yet. There's not a lot of tornado hits out there on radio, so. No, but because, you, well, especially too with country music. Mm-hmm. Right, everything's a story. There's always well, a, there's always a story behind a song. The thing about country music is, uh, I mean, everything country music is. I lost my my wife. I lost my dog. Lost my house. So I figured the truck. exactly the truck. But I thought if I if I wrote a, a country music song backwards, I can get it all back. That totally might have worked. I know. But that is so true about the country <laughs> music. The yeah. tree in the yard and the car back in the driveway mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the roofs on the house back up. Yeah. yeah. How many times we hear country songs about kind of the love within the home and the home. So a country song might not yet be in the works for it. I just released a children's album, actually. So uh, I'm working on kids' songs for the last year. How are your kids as demos, listeners, test test subjects for them? I mean, they're not exactly giving constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. They don't really have that skill yet. But they but you can tell which ones they like over the other ones. and So I use them as a good platform. When did you make the switch? I mean, when was it the desire? And I know you've done kids programs in schools and I've seen you do, you know, a couple of programs there, but to have the angle of wanting to do songs for children. It's not, it wasn't a decision. It's just where 
my head is at. So I, I try to write songs for adults, but I ha- my kids are at such a an age where all I do is watch Sesame Street and, and Paw Patrol, and so like uh, that's my my life right now. So I just my creativity goes there, and I have no choice. I can't wait till it's over. The you can't wait for the episode. I want to write for adults these... again. I want to really because <laughs> yes. I can go on. There's some pretty catchy tunes to Baby Einstein's, Little that's Einstein's. True. You know, Veronica's looking at me. Trust me, I can hear the I can hear the music in my head. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, the backyardigans. Baby shark. Oh, there's baby shark. Yeah. So, is it the songwriting? Is it the tunes? Is it the the wording? Like, what are you what are you writing when you're doing it for the children? Where am I writing? Like, what's in the thought process? I, I, is it teaching lessons? Is it just having something that they can get up and dance in the kitchen or eat their sip, supper to? A lot of the songs are, are, are I, I, um, I, I try to write some sort of a message in each song. I don't think I, I can't write. Uh, I can't be the Wiggles. Like I'll never be that guy. They were just here in Ottawa, and I, I can't. Uh, Did you go to see them? No, <laughs> but uh, I could never be that. So I'm trying to write songs that uh, that are fun, but also have like an inspiring message, and. Uh, can you give us an example? I'm not sure. Some of us have not played the children's music in a little while. Well, I have one song called Stronger, for example. So it's, you know, the chorus will talk about uh, sometimes we fall, sometimes we blah, blah, blah. But, the, you know, all these failures just make us a little bit stronger. Were you thinking of writing these songs a year ago before the tornado hit? Were you already starting to work with children's music? Well, I have two children's albums uh, already. So this will be my third release next month. So how how quickly have you been putting the children's albums together then? The first one was 2014. Okay. Next one was 2016, and, and here we are. The boys were pretty young. Yeah. They were very young when that was going on. Mm. So you can really sit there and say that you've got the children that are and you know listening to the music. You've got your songs and commercials, which I was able to see too. Do you like the fact that there's a a larger spectrum, a broader band of where you have a reach to with music? I mean, yeah, the, the commercial thing was was funny. So I, this is Give the part of story. this is the part okay. I don't like about the the. I like to write songs that are that are authentic to myself. Maybe it's self serving, but I just like to write songs that I want to hear and stuff like that. And so, uh, in the country music world, I started wanted to seek success, so I started to write commercial songs, like songs that everything else was sounded like and songs that I thought other people wanted to hear. And they sounded so commercial that it actually ended up in commercials, uh, which is a, an avenue I never thought would happen. And one of them was uh, Kevin Nealon and Arnold Palmer were in this commercial. And uh, it was cool because I was in Kevin Nealon's trailer, had my beat up ice cold drink in my hand. I'm like, this is fantastic. Like I was watching him on Saturday Night Live when I was a kid. And I, I was like, do you have any advice for an up and coming entertainer? And he looks at me straight in the eye and says something I'll never forget. He's like, how did you get in here? Like it was... <laughs> It was, uh, anyway, so that was a new avenue for, uh, for music. And to, to wrap that story up, uh, in 2018, I released an album called Be You. And uh, it was songs exactly what I was talking about, like everything that was uh, songs I wanted to hear, songs about my experiences and things like that. I didn't care what radio thought. I just wrote the songs. And that was the first time I got nominated for a Canadian Country Music Award. So obviously there is something behind authenticity. 
Right. You weren't chasing the radio play. You weren't mm-hmm. chasing the advertising dollars. It was, this is what you felt. And what was the writing behind that album? Like, what was happening? What were you feeling to be able to write so authentically? Something that resonated with listeners and with people who can come up with the nominations. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They are a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally as I've been using the Extension Marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. When you're writing authentically, I I mean, you have to, uh, there has to be some vulnerability involved. So if I was having a dark day, I would write about that. If I was... uh... Uh, writing about um, uh, being a parent, I would write about that, or, or anything that would that would come to me that wasn't about pickup trucks, tailgates, and whatever the hell else this country music is nowadays. I would write about, and and I think people really like to hear uh, real stories. So, real story, you have real stories that are happening in your life, and yet you're deciding: Am I writing a song about this? Do I put a positive, funny spin and write it for stand-up comedy? Where do you get up in the morning and feel what side of you are that day? Am I the, the songwriter? Am I the comedian? Am I just being dad today? Where do you innately feel like when you're getting up? The comedy kind of came out of the, the music. So I, I'd be playing these shows, shows in theaters. And when you have a captive audience, I couldn't wait for the song to be over so I could tell a joke or tell a story in between the songs and so it was a sign so I was like maybe I should try this uh, a little more often so I years ago I signed up for this stand-up comedy competition because uh, I knew I couldn't check it out you're you're once you sign up you gotta go yeah you're, you're accountable so I went and um then I lost and but I was hooked so um any funny thought that I have in my mind now I, I write it on a piece of paper and then I I try to tell it to people are you more nervous going out on a stage to play or to get out on the stage with people sitting in an audience looking up at you going, make me laugh? That's the thing about anything you do is like with music, there was a point where I, I before every show you'd have butterflies and, and, and nerves and uh, and then that went away after a while. And once you've been doing it for 20 years, you can get up, you can sing in front of uh, 100,000 people and, and not feel a thing. Uh, and then when I go, jumped into the comedy thing, all those feelings came back from when I was a 20-year-old. <laughs> and, so, and it felt really good. It really it felt good to, because uh, I knew, had gone through it before, that these feelings will, you know, you're going to overcome these. Uh, there's going to come a time where you're going to be super confident. And that's when you're, uh, you're going to find your voice and really. So there was no nerves by the time you're still getting up on a stage playing in front of 100,000 people. There's just an exaggeration. That might have been an exaggeration, but yeah. No, okay. Well, we, you know, you, you're opening up for a Keith Urban. That that's a, not many of us can put that down on a resume. But yes, no, and and okay, for, for sure. There there was uh, I had the jitters before opening up for Keith Urban, but uh, comparatively, if I if I had to tell jokes in front of Keith Urban, I probably would have pooped my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a harder audience, though? I, I mean, I've been both. I've been a guest at, at a concert where I'm just looking to let loose and feel really good. And, and then I've bought a ticket to a comedy club, and I'm sitting in that chair going, I, I just want to laugh. 
So do you feel more pressure in one situation than another? It depends on the room setup. So if you're in a comedy club where you have a captive audience, the room set up right, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's in a, some other venue where they're not really used to doing comedy and then you have people talking in the background or over at the bar, it gets hard. You really have to work to, rattle, uh, to gather their attention. And so for a while, uh, and uh, sometimes I'll still do it. If it's a venue like that, I'll have my guitar by my side. So if, uh, if my jokes aren't landing because there's people distracted, then I'll start incorporating the guitar into it. And all of a sudden, as soon as someone starts playing guitar, now you're listening. So I'll do guitar jokes and it just kind of... It's the way I can best control things is with a guitar. But the guitar joke started first on the stage doing music, waiting to be able to tell a story in between the songs. Yeah, yeah. Do your children, do the boys know the difference between when you're being serious, when you're able to put a joke in? I like, I'm thinking, going back to a situation where you're going through the devastation of the tornado and them walking into a room and their house is gone, do they get dads are still young so do they get your humor or the sarcasm or is there a difference between what you're what they hear you say to other people and what you're telling them i don't think they completely grasp sarcasm yet they take everything pretty on the nose (laughs) right so when you're like look you have your own tree house Mm -hmm. it's funny to us or we appreciate the humor and yet they're like okay yeah, but they're not like sitting there googling my TED talks either. So it's you know they're not they're not seeing uh, everything at this moment. The TED talk. What was the reaction afterwards from the people? Were there people in that audience that had been through a situation, or that it resonated a little bit differently with people, or that people are choosing or have messaged to say they're choosing to deal with certain situations differently? Most of the people watching it weren't affected, and so they they really. Um, it resonated with them. A lot of people in the mental health field, uh, people I don't know. I was in St. Catharines doing a show a few weeks ago, and this lady came up like, I saw your TED Talk. I'm like, oh, that's, that's cool. You're a stranger. And uh, she's like, I work in the mental health field, and, and our team uh, uses this to uh, to show uh, our PTSD trauma patients or something like that. I'm like, that's amazing. And that's happened a few different times, different people in the mental health field. So now I'm thinking, maybe I'm missing an opportunity here. Maybe I should try to... Uh, uh, speak to some of these people. That's the other cool thing. I've been doing a lot of speaking events be, uh, from that. It's like they, they, they want to hear the story. They want to hear uh, jokes and be entertained, but also inspired. Are you surprised by that? Kind of. And I'm, I'm not as surprised maybe as you because it was so refreshing and so different. And I think in a, we're so looking for answers in different places now that I think you opened up a different avenue people hadn't thought about. Or as you mentioned, I mean, there is humor therapy, but it's not something that most of us are Googling to say, hmm, this might be an option. Yeah, right? people want pharmaceuticals. <laughs> they don't necessarily want me to go tell them jokes. But it's even in their own lives, in their own circumstances. It's everyone's circumstance is different. So I, a tornado, it, it, I mean, it was serious. Like it's a natural disaster. I almost died. So from that stand, it's a very serious topic. But also, it's not a hurricane. It's not a tsunami. Uh, during the TED Talk conference, the, the girl who went on before me was uh, was a rape victim. There's different kinds of adversity, and I'm not even going to touch what they went through. But you know, I'm allowed to make fun of my own situation, and I did the best I could with my own adversity. I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be a guest at that TEDx. The speaker. So you had a woman 
prior to you speaking, who had been raped, what was her story like? Like was, was I couldn't all... could listen. I was like la 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 la. I did it. I was just it's it... like I'm just you know to to sit in that audience and to hear it. Was it all how people dealt with certain adversaries adversities? Yeah. Like usually there's a theme, right? Through well, yeah, a lot everyone, of the TEDx's. I don't think they. Yeah, they, everyone's got to have a story, and it really has to uh, hopefully end on an inspiring or positive note. I've never seen a TED talk end like, and then uh, that's it for me. You know, <laughs> like it's just. <laughs> There's got to have a purpose. Yeah, yeah. I think that I, I remember uh, I attended an Ottawa TEDx event, and you were emceeing it. That was a couple years ago. I did. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was more. It was much more business oriented. Yeah. There weren't stories like that. Is what I'm. They were business oriented. Although Seiko Kabu was there, he's the uh, the track and field athlete. He had a great. It was so um, funny about him is he uh, he was great. He was one of my favorite talks, and then. Um, uh, there's this app called Turo where you can uh, rent people's vehicles and stuff like that. And he showed up on my driveway one one day, borrowing my, borrowing my truck. <laughs> so it's like I think I saw you on stage once. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got an interesting story. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it really is. Another story about him is uh, one Canada Day event. Uh, For those that are listening, he's a track and field, a Canadian track and field athlete. Did he go to the Olympics? Yes. I forget what that. Anyway, the so. We're at this, I'm going to have to Google that right now to double check that, yes. He was doing a demo at this uh, in this park during his Canada Day event, and mm-hmm. uh, he's jumping hurdles, and he's he's clearly an incredible athlete. Uh, but meanwhile, like I, I do um, I do like kickboxing on the side just, just to you know, stay in shape. And so I've got this shirt on called 100% Athlete. And then <laughs> – so I feel like an idiot because I'm just like a hobbyist guy who's just, you know – likes to work out from time to time meanwhile you have this professional athlete who's probably gone to the olympics and done crazy things but i'm wearing this 100 athlete shirt so it, it you know i felt like an arsehole that day well it works i see i love the fact though that you're that you're active and you're healthy and you're doing things and you can appreciate the talent of an athlete and what they do and i think too that if you know the roles are reversed there's an appreciation for what it is that you do for the for the talent the music the writing and uh, being able to get up on stages and do something very different. But I, it's interesting. Any person that puts themselves up on a stage to be judged or to do something, it's, it's a very scary place to be. But there's metaphorical stages, right? You, you competed. You were an athlete. Um, your stage, uh, you still have audience members watching you. I, I, personally, I think that if you look at professional athletes like that, that platform is, is much more um, scary than what I do. I mean, they're like, how can you go tell jokes in front of people? Like, I, what you do is worse. You have to do push-ups every day. Or, you know, if you if you screw up, you're, you're messing up an entire team. Like, I'm accountable for myself. Not, yeah, right. It's not like you've got the bookies in Vegas that are putting bets on. Right. You know, there's a, there's a different kind of, uh, of an audience that, that's watching you. Where do you see things going now? How far into the rebuild are you? How far is life almost back to normal? Is it back to normal, would you say? Is there a new normal now after this? Uh, back in the house now. Uh, just got the lawn hydro seeded yesterday. So we'll have grass in the spring. And yeah, normal is, um, it'll never get back to normal, but... It, you, we're, we're excited to see what the neighborhood's going to look like. I mean, right now, again, the trees were why we moved there. There's no trees left. Uh, the neighborhood's called Arlington Woods. It's now called Arlington Stumps. 
Um, <laughs> it really is. I hate to say it, I but know. it is. It's it looks like a new development. <laughs> like it's just, we live in Barhaven basically now. Uh, anyway, so it's, uh, again, so we'll never get back to normal, but we're looking forward to the next chapter and seeing what, what comes of everything. Do you put as much emphasis on, or do you, do you look at vacuuming the house or having to do chores around the house and sometimes go, why am I doing this? No, I like cleanliness. But no, but just to remember that you have, you know, there was 20 minutes before a tornado hit. You were vacuuming the house. I don't know. So I guess maybe for me sometimes is I would prefer living life than having to fold laundry or having to do things. And mm -hmm. sometimes I just make the choice. The laundry can wait or the dishes can wait and enjoy life a little bit more. Yeah. Do you have that sense? I've always had that sense. And so anything that requires like daily maintenance is inconvenient for me because <laughs> I just, I don't know. I'm, I, I like to explore. I like to research. I like to try to create and, uh, and, and do new things. So things like laundry, uh, you got to do it, but daily maintenance, working mm -hmm. out, laundry. I, I'll always have like a podcast on or something like that, doing these driving, you know, it just, I, I'm always trying to <laughs> absorb and learn while I'm driving, while I'm doing something that. Were you looking for those things though, while you were going through this? Like, where did you look for the sanity when you have everything in your life uprooted? What do you mean? Are you talking to people? I mean, I know that you're making videos and I, I'm assuming that that was really quite therapeutic, but who are you turning to to say, my gosh, like we've lost almost everything. I have nowhere to go. Uh, my half of my belongings are like, s sprawled everywhere. There's trees in my house. There's, I open my bedroom door and all I see is the sky and a tree. It hasn't hit me yet. And I think one of these days, like I will probably need serious therapy, but right now I, I've just I seem to have, uh, just kind of coasted through but I have my own coping mechanisms uh, I'm an adult I've, I've dealt with things and so that's how I've done it my seven-year-old uh, he has PTSD so he's uh, every time the, the it rains or the wind picks up he kind of has moments and so uh, he's you know we've got him a, a therapist which is um, which is great as a child in, in Canada he's covered by OHIP which is fantastic. So that would cost you and I like $200 an hour. So what I'm trying to do is uh, trying to give him questions to ask so I can work some of my own stuff out through his benefits. Right. Okay. That's a joke. I'm actually so doing that. You, this. Can you go to the therapist and ask her, say that you're dealing with this issue and then he comes out of there with a, a nice little answer for you? Yeah. From the therapist's office? Are you... I think that was more what I was asking is there's the trauma after. And so you have your seven-year-old son who's dealing with he's trying to provide therapy for the rest of his family <laughs> he says he asked the therapist the other day if uh if stress can cause an irregular menstrual cycle mm -hmm. and it does apparently um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway ho hopefully he'll uh he'll get past this the uh the younger one he at the he was four when the tornado happens he doesn't everything went over his head he doesn't know what's going on in life but um yeah. seven-year-old would yeah there there was an also there was a fear of being grabbed by whoever was the parent that grabbed the favorite child. But there's a there's a sensation that they went through something that wasn't normal. And it's hard to explain to a kid that this is probably not going to happen again. Or, may, you know what I mean? Like it never, 38 years of my life, it's never happened. So I, how do I explain to someone, it doesn't happen because it's happened, you know, you know, in at least 
15% of his life. So it's, I can't, uh, there's no way to put his mind at ease other than just time. And talking about it. Mm. So he, he he's had the ability to say this, or you would have sensed sounds, weather, there's a reaction. Mm-hmm. And humor can't necessarily always fix it at that point. Humor will distract him for a while, but at the same time, he, he's still, and then he figured out you can check the weather on an app. So now he's getting us to check the phone all the time. It's like, is it supposed to rain? Is it, was there a lot of humidity in the sky right now? Like he's, he knows more than JJ Clark about the, <laughs> about the, you know, how the weather systems work. And I, I'm I know he will, he will overcome it, but it, for right now it's uh <laughs> not ideal. No, I, I still I still see it as as t- not enough time. I think has passed right now. For you though, getting back, are you going back on the comedy circuit? Will this be part of the comedy routine? I mean, there's one thing to do a TEDx talk, which I found was incredibly inspiring, to be honest, and to be able to look at things a little bit differently and say, okay, let's put a different perspective on the current situation. But can this type of a can this be moved into the stand-up, into into the routine? Are you I working still, on I that? I still talk about it in, in, in stand-up, and it's evolved my stand-up. So even this last year, I did a Fringe Festival uh, series called Tornado Troubles. So it was like an hour of me talking about my what I've come to overcome it, a lot of jokes, a lot of... Uh, there's videos. There was, I played songs associated to tornadoes. I don't know. Just messing around with that. And uh, it was topical, so it was really well-received. Uh but as far as how it's affected me going forward, it's it's really affected the the way I, I tell jokes now. Now that I know um, how to uh, capture an audience with something topical or vulnerability, let's say, uh, it's I'm trying to. Um, I don't want to be that comic who who tries to inspire people every time they go out. But if I could sort of leave them with some sort of a message every time uh, I hit the stage, then. Um, I don't know. I think that's more beneficial than uh, than just leaving them with laughs. And then, how often are you in, interweaving a comedy, a music? Are you able to go and move from one to the other? So what I'm doing is I I, I do um, I have a, a one hour theater show that I'm I'm touring next year, uh, going to the, <laughs> like the middle of Manitoba, you know, just all over the place. Uh, and it's basically a, co- a combination of everything I do. So it's an hour of stories, songs, jokes, um, just basically trying to encompass everything I do into one one small hour. I even do a little bit of parenting in there. That's a lot to throw in. Yeah, but it's I mean, a lot it's, of talents. I mean, a lot of people can't do that. It's I can't unique. Say and I'm not funny. I hope I'm a good parent. But you're, yeah. yeah, no, you're doing just fine. I'm pretty sure. But it's uh, the, the double-edged sword with that is that no one knows where to categorize you. So I was like, or is he a musician or like, how do we bill him? And well, it's funny when I was trying to write the intro, I'm like, do we, <laughs> do we talk about country music? Do we talk about writing songs in Nashville? Do we talk about writing comedy? Talk about working with Canadian comics. I mean, you've done all of it. So do you feel a little bit lost? Like where exactly do I fit into all of this? I don't know where to, where to go. Uh, I'm not, um, I'm not the best comedian. I'm not the best country music person. I'm not the best uh, this and that, but um, as far as combining them all together, I think I have a fighting chance at uh, succeeding with that. It works. There's a, they're woven into each other. Mm-hmm. And do you anticipate speaking more about this, or do you think that there's a run to this tornado segment and these TED Talks and the dealing with humor, or do you see it being a story that 
will affect people for a long time to come. Spe speaking's my next thing. So I, I've, I've already got a, a lot of opportunities, and so I'm, I'm crafting everything right now. So next year is going to be really busy with speaking, uh, speaking events, which I'm really looking forward to. It's there's another example of me. I've spoken in front of audiences several times. I've performed in front of audiences several times, but right before that TED talk, I was nervous. I was like, really because I've never spoken uh, in front of an audience other than telling them jokes or you know what I mean. They, the jokes were a defense mechanism when I'm in a comedy club, but on a stage where you're actually trying to give people information, that's a completely different beast. And I'm looking forward to adding that to my uh, repertoire. Well, that's what I thought was so amazing is to be able to take the snippets from the videos that you that you did and then turn it into something you could speak about. So when you're looking at doing more of these talks, what's the content matter? What's the subject? A lot of it's vulnerability. Um and, and everything that I've done, like I possibly probably do this trying to um, gain the approval of others. You know what I mean? Whether it's acting out in class as a kid just to get the approval of my peers or, or uh, you know, my, my, my dad was an entertainer. Maybe I went into it because, um, because of him, try to gain his approval. I don't know. But there's that. And then uh, we take all the, the vulnerabilities from um, this tornado ordeal. And that kind of, that's what ties it in. That's what... That's where all my uh, lessons learned over the last 38 years have, have come together. So that's the word you choose from this, is vulnerability. I think that the making the video is a way of uh, putting a Band-Aid on my vulnerability. So everyone's like, you saw the video, even yourself, you're like, wow, you're so brave. How do you, how do you, how do you find the strength to do that in a time like that? Well, what I was doing is actually hiding uh, how I really felt through jokes and... And uh, so that's that's essentially what I what I'll be speaking about in uh, in these talks. Okay, but was that were you sitting in a psychologist's office for them to realize that vulnerability was the critical word there? Oh, again, and, I've, I haven't had any therapy since this happened. My kid gets a little therapy. I know that, but what you've just said is to understand that the fear was was masked by vulnerability. That word, I think, for a lot of people to be open about and ex and express it because it was really funny what you provided for everyone else but it was your own fear inside coming through mm -hmm. so when you speak about vulnerability are there other ways yours came out through humor how are how when you speak about vulnerability do you go inside get authentic and honest and then be able to share different stories with people did you see Brene Brown have you watched that yeah on Netflix. on Netflix what did you think of that for those that might have seen that, that a lot the, of it on vulnerability. That was the first time I've actually seen uh, Bray. She's a big deal, apparently, but I never heard of her until this Netflix thing. And that was, it was great. She's a great storyteller. And uh, anyone who can tell an honest story like that. And uh, I think other people seeing uh, someone be vulnerable and actually have the the strength to, uh, to share that vulnerability, uh, that's encouraging enough. You don't even have to have a positive message just as long as you yeah, show no by example. Exactly. She didn't have that many punchlines. You've got a lot more punchlines to work with. That's my skill set. She's probably a lot more inspirational and, and well-spoken than I am. I don't she know. has science behind her. She does. She's a researcher. She's, she's, she's quite smart. Yes, I don't have but that either. But you're quite funny. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's, I don't know if that's a compliment or a... There was lots of compliments. I thought yeah. your music was great when we were doing things. I don't know. You're funny, I... but she's pretty smart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. 
they're both compliments, wouldn't you say? I am at a Gawkwin College graduate, I'll have you know. Congratulations. Yes. You're from so you're from the city. Yeah. Where was where was high school? The most funny about my education is uh uh it was around like you know the 2000s remember when Ottawa was booming with technology and things like that yes so I went into it thinking I'm gonna come out a millionaire it's gonna be amazing and then uh as I was in school uh technology crashed and I did tech support for a while <laughs> so it's uh and then technology changes so much like I went to school to learn how to fix Windows 98 networks and things like that and then XP came out and abolished my entire education so I have no skills but apparently I now have ideas worth spreading you do I think your ideas are fantastic. I hope people take advantage of it or listen to it with a different perspective. But I think the challenge now is where where do you go with it? We know you've got the music. And so you're saying that the, the conversation is shifting into a vulnerability aspect and people are wanting to hear you speak. So it's a, it's a big compliment mm-hmm. and that you'll face it. Uh, yeah, I hope so. So it's uh, that, that's, that's, that's the next chapter. So trying to explore... Uh, how to express that vulnerability the first one again like i suppose said was the uh, that album i released that was all about uh, my own vulnerabilities that's the one that hit the uh, the biggest for me and so it was an enlightening moment uh, in that anything i do from now on will uh, try to be uh, a little more authentic are those that are closest to you can they pick up the songs and what it's about and who it's for or what you're thinking about yeah like you know my mom will, will hear a song about a dark day she's like i don't like that song I like it when you're happy. <laughs> okay. On average, though, most songs are written usually when you're, would you say, when you're sad or when you're happy? Uh, I don't know, 50-50. Really? Mm-hmm. But I, you know, try to, try to show the positive spin. I remember right after the tornado, everyone, there's tons of calls from from media they wanted to get that picture of me in front of the house in front of the broken house me sat on my front lawn i'm like no go take a hike you're not getting that image of, of you know what i mean i want to portray um exactly what i portrayed the uh the lighter side of things so the calling the hot tub repairman and <laughs> yeah. changing the listing of the car from an suv or something to a compact car so you didn't want it reflected that way yeah, I did, you know, I mean, and they had enough of that footage with uh, other neighbors, so I didn't want to be the uh, another sob story. Where can people go? I, I'm hoping people can go and, and see these. I mean, I I had links and a whole bunch of stuff, but where on YouTube will people find this, or on your website? Like, where would people go to see more of you? I've got a YouTube channel. Uh, just search Rory Gardner. I mean, if you want to see the TED Talk, go search uh, TEDx. Uh, finding the funny when disaster strikes. If you find, if you just Google my name, you'll you have a tons of stuff. But what's the, the actual title of the talk? Finding the funny. I think it's finding the funny when disaster strikes. And it wasn't. It was at West, like in the states. It was like Seattle. Where exactly was it again? That oh, Colorado. The, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess I don't know. I, I guess I posted it online, and then it it got shared. You know, and then one person just picked it up around there. It's amazing what happens with when things go viral, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you don't realize it. I don't think you were meaning for it to go viral. I literally just did it to make my neighbors laugh. I didn't realize it would be shared that often. Do they appreciate the laughter that came from those moments? They're sick of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> they're, they're, <laughs> they're like, like, like Shvori, just shut up. The one-year anniversary was uh, two weeks ago, and so I was asked to uh, to play at an event in the neighborhood, which was a lot of fun. And they uh, they'd asked like, "Do you want to do your uh, your tornado shtick for us?" I was like, "No, it's a little too close to home for a lot of people." 
like people like yourself and, and audience members, they uh, they love hearing about it. But when you've actually dealt with it yourself, it could be quite offensive, I'm pretty sure. So I just stuck to music that day. Interesting. Mm-hmm. How for those that actually it, it hits closer to home. It's, yeah, I don't like when it, when I say things like yeah, the tornado was an inconvenience because I had just vacuumed like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know offhand, but it would probably piss someone off who was actually <laughs> in the eye of the tornado. I think you're able to do it because there weren't there weren't casualties. Right. There I, were there were, uh, well there were a couple of people in Dunroman who were actually who were physically harmed and hurt, but there were no deaths. I think it changes perspective a little bit. I wouldn't have done this if I if I hadn't it, out of yeah. respect for anyone. I wouldn't have done any of this without uh, if there was casualties. But there. There was an opportunity to bring a different outlook into a situation, and I think people appreciated it. And I think at the time when you have something that goes viral 24 hours, there was a need for it. Do you look at it that way? For so many people, there was just there was a need to just be able to let it out and let it either in a cry or in a good laugh. Got a good belly laugh. So so therapeutic. Right. Do you find that? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's good. I hope people take the opportunity to look at the video. So worrygardener.com, yep. one place. Mm-hmm. Finding the funny, the TEDx talk, finding the funny. When disaster strikes. When disaster strikes. Uh, and I saw that there's a whole bunch of YouTube links uh, if you're actually on the site. And you've got a thing on your music. You've got a thing on the comedy. I think it's a pretty neat combination. I'm still trying to figure out no which idea. direction to go in, but yeah. it's. Uh... But it'll guide you. We're doing all of it. We're, we're booked pretty solid, so I'm doing something right. See, you're a working comedian and magician. I'm not magician, musician. Imagine I did do magic. Can you imagine the magic thrown in there also? Oh, my God. We like have the cross, the, the, the three off the list. But as a musician and as a comedian, to be booked and to be speaking and have gigs, that's, that's a sign of success. Hopefully. I would think. Yeah. I want to. I really appreciate you coming in. It was such a, a kind of... One of those weird passing each other at an event going, hey, what have you been up to? And then I had no idea the story existed, but so glad that I actually took the time to listen and to, to go through the stuff because I, I was really quite moved. I thought it was very, really well done. Yeah, so, no, it was great running into you and, and, yeah. and uh, yeah, I appreciate you looking at my stuff. You're quite talented on all fronts. And so I hope uh, it continues to grow and I hope people enjoy the aspect of looking at things through humor on certain situations. Sometimes that's the only thing that's left to do. And I appreciated the thought process behind it. Hoping people will go and check that out. Also, please continue to go check this out and comment and like and subscribe to the podcast. There's, gosh, over 90 episodes that we're in right now. But it really helps as everyone continues to spread the word and share the content. And next time, you're kind of dealt with an adversity. My goodness, I thought I could talk today, but I guess I really can't. uh, To be able to think uh, different ways of being able to handle it. And we are all vulnerable. So thank you for bringing it out to the forefront helps us all. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you back here next week. 90 episodes. Wow. It's said that the more time you have to invest, the greater the return. Well, guess what? Kids have the most time if we learn to invest early. That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. This podcast will help you become the money expert among your family and friends. Just remember, anyone can be a cash kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash Kid Podcast.